Welcome back, MTN Nets Podcast. Wasn't sure if I was going to make a reaction to this game, but after seeing how it turned out, I feel like I have to rant because this is just a bad one. They lose 129-128 to the Charlotte Hornets without LaMelo Ball. The Nets were like eight and a half point favorites coming into this game. Uh, Royce O'Neal didn't play. Of course, Ben Simmons still out. We get that, of course. That's, you know, Cam Thomas came back. That was nice. He didn't play as much as he usually does, 25 minutes because of the the minute restrictions. Still scored 26 points because Cam Thomas is phenomenal. He led the team in scoring in the uh, 25 minutes he played. But, um... No excuses for a loss like this. It came down to the final shot. The refs were not great. I'll get into an example in a bit. But um, came down to a Cam Johnson potential go-ahead three-pointer at the buzzer. Unfortunately, he missed it. Um, Terry Rozier was cooking down the stretch. I mean, Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward looked like Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic out there. Like They were phenomenal. You know, like part of it was the Nets just not, you know, just not playing aggressive enough defense and just too lackadaisical. But you got to give credit to Rozier. A lot of those shots he was making were tough. I mean, I feel like the first three quarters they were pretty open, but the Nets really tried to get the ball to Terry's hands and he kept making tough shots. He missed that last one that led to the Cam Johnson shot, but we even had. Um, Nick Claxton switched on to Rozier with 40 seconds to go, and he makes that 19-foot jumper from the the right elbow. So, you know, if there's one defender I trust on this team, it's Nick Claxton. When Claxton got switched on to Rozier, I was like, all right, good. That's the matchup I want of anyone on this team. And, of course, Rozier makes that step back and, um, you know, leads to a Hornets win. So there's a lot of blame to go around for a game like this, but... You, you were on a winning streak. The vibes were finally good. Like, it felt like this should have been a four-game win streak. I think it ends at three now. So, this was a game. Like, there's not many gimmies. It's not, you know, it's, it's still a professional sport. But this is a game on your home floor that you have to win. You know, the Nets took 14 more shots in this game. You, you have to win games like that. The free throws were pretty even. I mean, Charlotte went 16 for 16. Credit to them. The Nets took 15 and made 10. So, okay, that's a bit of a difference in the game right there. But the Nets had 11 more rebounds. They had 9 more offensive rebounds. Um, Points in the paint, they destroyed them, 66-38. to It's just like, this is a game you can't be losing. You can't make a team like Charlotte look this good offensively without their best offensive player. You just can't have it. And the, the sad part is, coming into this year, the best part about this Nets team was supposed to be their defense. You know, Jock Vaughn's supposed to be this defensive-minded coach. And here we are giving up 129. I mean, the Hornets had over 100 points after three quarters. And I think on the broadcast, they said that's the seventh time in Nets history that both teams had over 100 points at the end of the third quarter. So the Nets also had over 100 offensively. But this is supposed to be a defensive team. And you're allowing this to happen? You know, 37 points for Terry Rozier on 25 shots and a lot of even scoring. You know, Gordon Hayward had 22 on 8 of 14 shooting. Miles Bridges had 23 on 9 of 15. Um, I feel like P.J. Washington's the one guy who shot bad. He was 2 of 11, uh, 2 of 9 from 3. But this is one of those games that you would want to have back. You know, they dropped to 9 and 9, should have easily been 10 and 8. But, unfortunately, that's just a bad loss. So Now, coming up, they're going to play Orlando. 
who they've been playing great lately. Then you're at Atlanta. We know how the last couple Nets games have gone at Atlanta, going back to last year. And then they get Washington, who that should be an easy one. Then you have a long road trip. So, like, ideally, you would have loved to have won at least two of these next three games and then go into that, or three of the next four games, and then go into that long West Coast trip where it's like, okay, if we don't have a good road trip, it's not the end of the world. It won't kill our record too badly. But when you drop a game like this and fall back to 9-9, and you're in a position now where, like, you would love to be over 500 going into that West Coast trip, but now you have to find a way to win two out of three against Orlando, Atlanta, and Washington. So we'll see if they can do that, but just a frustrating one for sure. Uh, for the Nets, you know, we'll go down the list. I feel like Finney Smith played well. He was four of six from three, made a couple of big shots when we needed it. Um, had that last rebound, a good box out. He was a plus two. Made a great hustle play in the first, it might have been the first quarter, second quarter, first half for sure, but he dove into the scorer's table. Not like over it, but he dove into the scorer's table. Might have hurt his knee a bit, but he stayed in the game. So great hustle play by him. I don't think he was the problem tonight. Cam Johnson looked okay at certain points, and at some, like, I feel like the first half he looked horrible. I'm not going to lie, but he came alive in the second half a bit, had that really nice dunk. Probably his best dunk since that playoff one against Embiid last year. But Cam Johnson was a minus four. He did put up 15 on six of 18 shooting. And 18 shots is a lot for him. Three of nine from three. Of course, he missed the biggest shot of the game where if he made that, this is a much different outcome. I still would have been pretty upset with how they played tonight. But if you were able to get a win, then, you know, a win's a win. But Mikael Bridges was nine of 22. Still not that efficient. 2 of 5 from 3. He went 2 of 3 at the line. He did have 9 rebounds, 4 assists, uh, 2 turnovers. But, you know, it was an average Mikel Bridges game. He's looked better lately. I can't be that mad, but I feel like the last two games, Mikel Bridges has looked really good. Um, especially that game against the Hawks. I, I forget if I talked to you guys since that game. I think I did. Yeah, so I talked to you guys the last time was against the Heat after that win when the Nets won by uh, 15 against them. So, yeah, Mikel Bridges, we talked about that game, but I feel like he's been better with the scoring lately. He's getting more comfortable um, with everything. I feel like it was just a bit of a slow start here, but hopefully, you know, he's fine going forward. Who else we got next? Nick Claxton played 29 minutes. He was 9 of 13, had 14 rebounds, had 9 offensive rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, I thought he played very well. Had that very key rebound at the end of the game, down by three after Dinwiddie chucked up that shot coming out of the timeout. Like, that pissed me off, too. What is Jacques Vaughn drawing up in the timeout? There was 39 and a half seconds left, down by three, and they do the Dinwiddie play where he goes to the right wing and takes that stupid fadeaway shot. Of course, he missed it, but luckily Claxton was there and got the offensive rebound and put the Nets down by one with uh, 29 seconds left, which gave them enough time to play straight-up defense. But how do you call timeout? And that's, that's your play. All right, Dinwiddie, just take this stupid fadeaway shot. And you keep Cam Thomas on the bench, which I didn't like either. I know he's on a minutes restriction, but, like, you need offense. I mean, why not go to the guy who's by far your best offensive player, who had 26 points, by the way, in, in 25 minutes. Um, so that annoyed me. Like, I wanted to see Cam in there for the final couple minutes. Didn't see it. I guess they're being strict about his minutes. But he looked great. He really did look great tonight. We'll get to him. Um, but Claxton, another guy who looked really good tonight. Um, no complaints really at all. He finished around the rim. He went two of two at the line. So I really have no complaints about Claxton. Dinwiddie 
looked pretty not good this game. Not going to lie. I mean, lately he's been great. He's He's been really good this year, Dinwiddie. He's been a nice surprise. He played 34 minutes, went 3 of 9, 1 of 6 from 3, made both of his foul shots. This is the thing I wanted to talk about with the officiating, and I don't want to harp on officiating too much and sound like a sore loser, but if you watch this game, you know what I'm talking about, and I did tweet this on my account, so if you haven't seen it, go to my Twitter or X, and you can find this, but there was a play in the end of the second quarter where Spencer Dinwiddie is driving to the rim, you know, defender's arms are out, he does the nice rip-through move, gets an and one, and it looked pretty natural, it wasn't like it was a very delayed shot, it looked, you know, it's a play that I feel like 99 times out of 100, they give the continuation there, somehow the ref waves it off, Ian Eagle's going crazy, Dinwiddie thinks, you know, he made it as well, and then Dinwiddie turns around, and the reactions here is priceless, Dinwiddie always has a lot of great reactions to uh to bad refereeing but this is uh one of Dinwiddie's best reactions and he didn't get teed up which is nice but how that wasn't continuation is beyond me um so yeah was not a fan of that I forget if he went to the line after this I'm gonna look real quick I want to make sure I get that right because it annoys me because they lost by one and you start thinking about a missed call like this where yeah I mean if he went to the line and had an n one which it should have been then that could have been the difference of going to overtime or losing the game. So let's take a look here. So Dinwiddie, there was 319 to go. Okay, yes, he went to the line because they were over the foul limit, I guess, right? So he got two free throws instead of a potential three-point play. But that ultimately costed the Nets a point. So that play happens. Then in the middle of the third quarter, 750 to go, Gordon Hayward drives on the right baseline to Cam Johnson. And it's the beginning of the quarter, seven minutes left. So the Nets are not over the limit, obviously. And, you know, he gets a bump from Cam Johnson. Hayward, you know, takes the contact and, and just throws a shot up. And they reward him two free throws. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell is he rewarded two free throws? And that's awarded continuation. But Dinwiddie's was not. And I'm just watching them now. I tweeted these back to back and they're in the same tweet. And it's just, it's terrible. And it's the same ref, right? I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, one of them is the white dude and the other, no. So it's not the same ref. But still, like, I don't know how you miss a call that badly. The Dinwiddie one should have absolutely been an M1. It's one play. It's not the biggest deal. But, like, still, if Dinwiddie's was on the floor, you have to call Hayward's on the floor. It was the same thing. It's just it's just not, not consistent. I don't care if you're bad at officiating. I want you to be consistent, and that's, there's just no consistency with those calls there, so that was pretty bad, so that's a little rant about that, I was not, I, I usually don't try to get on officials too much, but that was like obvious, and you saw there were Nets players, you can kind of pick it up on the mic, I think someone was cursing about like how was that a shooting foul, and Dinwiddie's wasn't, and you can see Mikel Bridges in the Gordon Hayward clip was pointing at the spot on the floor where um, where they thought that Spencer Dinwiddie got fouled at, or should have been an N1. Like, the players were aware of, like, wait, you didn't call this this way in the first half. Why is he getting free throws and our guy didn't get the N1? So that was just ridiculous by the refs there. But, um, but yeah, Dinwiddie not good. One of six from three. He took, like, I mentioned the one three-pointer he took out of the timeout, which may have been Jacques Vaughn's idea. I don't know. But he also took that one with a couple minutes left, top of the key after the Nets got an offensive rebound. He missed that as well. So if he just made like one more of those threes, probably is a different game. They probably win. 
But uh, he goes one of six from three, Dinwiddie, so not good enough. Only nine points total. For Trenton Watford, he played 14 minutes, went three of five, six points total, two assists, four rebounds. He put good pressure on the rim. I like the way he played tonight. Um, not a ton of minutes, obviously. I feel like, you know, with Cam Thomas coming back, I feel like some of his minutes are going to be taken up. But uh, even Lonnie Walker only played 14 minutes. And I do, I remember him grabbing at his hamstring, so I really hope he's fine. But he's been playing through injuries the entire year. I think this little break coming up, I do think the Nets have a break coming up, right? Because I know there was that play-in tournament thing and... You know, there might be a break at some point. I forget when the hell this is, but I don't know. They have four days off after the Orlando game, so, you know, maybe that's some good time to rest. I thought they had, like, a nine-day break. Maybe that changed because of the uh, the Nets not advancing in the tournament, which was some bullshit, by the way, because I think they the Nets only didn't – I still don't understand the format. I really don't, but the Nets did not advance in the play-in tournament – or not play-in tournament, geez, the um, – what they call in-season tournament, because um, of point differential. So the Nets went 3-1 and one in their, you know, in-season tournament games, but the point differential was not enough for the Nets. And uh, I think Boston beat Chicago by like 40 or 50, and that was pretty much the difference. So shout-out to the Bulls for being complete ass. But anyway, back to the stats in this one. Yeah, Trent Watford was fine tonight. Nothing fantastic. He was fine. Daron Sharp is a guy, he played 18 minutes, went 4 or 5. He's been playing much better. I got to be honest. He had two offensive rebounds, five total, had two steals, uh, three fouls. He was a plus four, nine points. I feel like Daron Sharp's been a really nice positive lately. And listen, there's times where Daron Sharp really pisses me off and he looks terrible and looks clueless and can't hang on to the ball. But I got to be honest, he's been a really good energy player off the bench lately. I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't think he'll be like this amazing starter anytime soon. But um, he looks really good lately. I mean, there's times where Dayron's playing and you're like, how is this guy in the NBA? And there's times where Dayron's playing and you're like, oh, that's a really nice help to this team. So it's always been inconsistent with him. He's getting a bit better, though, with consistency. And hopefully that you know keeps up. He did go one of three at the line, so that's the one downside. But um, I remember he had the end one and he missed the free throw. There was also the play where he, it looked like Dayron got hit on the arm and they called the shooting foul and then the Hornets challenged it and it was overturned. So I don't know about that call. I think maybe the guy got the ball first. I forget. I think I was not watching that closely when that replay was being shown. But, uh, yeah, good to see Dayron be more consistent. So, you know, 18 minutes for him is a decent amount. Uh, Cam Thomas, 25 minutes, won 11 of 21. He did miss some shots where he probably makes those more times than not. Had a couple of decent looks from the mid-range that he probably wants back. But he went 2 of 5 from 3, 2 of 3 at the line, had 2 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block, and had 26 points total, leading the team once again. And with Cam, uh, Cam Thomas... The thing that concerned me is that he's so shift like the way he plays basketball. I'm trying. What I'm he has to play like with such agility because he's always like stepping sideways, and you know, you guys know he takes these crazy angled shots. He really has to have like that strength in his ankle to take those type of shots, like those crazy shots fading away to his left. You have to have strength in your ankle for that type of shot, right? So I was a little concerned about him more than like somebody else. Like let's say, um, I don't know. Who's a player I can just, let's say Trenton Watford was coming off a uh, an ankle sprain. I'd be less concerned with a guy like that. Because I, I feel like the way that, you know, Cam Thomas twists and turns his body and just takes these weird jumps and puts so much pressure on his legs, 
it's, it was a little more concerning with a guy like him because, as I said, he puts so much pressure on his legs when he's trying to make these moves, and his ankles have to be like 100%. So I feel like he looked healthy out there. I didn't see anything that was concerning. He might have went down hard at one point in this game, but I don't think it was ankle-related. He got back up. He was fine. But I remember at one point, I think he may have just got the ball stolen from him, and um, he was slow to get up. But, yeah, he was fine. He did have one turnover, so maybe that's the play I'm thinking about. But it was good to see Cam Thomas back. You know, I was hoping that, um, you know, bringing him back in this game would be what they need to win, and he absolutely helped the team tonight. But, unfortunately, the Nets played no defense tonight, and as I said, they made Rogier. And Hayward looked like they were, you know, first-team All-NBA guys. Um, Lonnie Walker, 14 minutes. It's not enough, you know. He went 2 of 4 from 3, 2 of 5 total. Um, two rebounds, had one assist, 7 points total. He was a minus 6. I wasn't too impressed with him on defense tonight. I don't remember I don't remember anything, like, you know, great from him defensively. He did miss 1-3 in the corner where it would have been, like, a really nice momentum shift because I remember on that play the Nets got an offensive rebound right before it. So he did miss that 3. That would have been nice. But, yeah, I was fine with Lonnie Walker. Um, as I mentioned on the top of the video, no Royce O'Neal in this game. He had, uh, what was it, a left, left hip uh, something? I don't know. What was it? Left hip? It says left hip injury, but they called it something else. Uh, it might have been soreness, so hopefully it's nothing bad. It shouldn't be like Ben Simmons level. And I think, by the way, the Nets, I think their Twitter account, X account, they said that they're going to have an update about Ben Simmons on Saturday, I'm pretty sure they said, which I don't know why. That doesn't sound good. I feel like if you're waiting three days to announce an injury of when a guy may potentially return, it's probably not good news. So I'm not expecting anything positive when it comes to uh, Ben Simmons coming back. And I, as I said last time, I think I talked to you guys, like I'm kind of over the whole Ben Simmons thing. Like it's just not going to happen. When he plays, he's fine. He, he helps the team. He's a net positive, pun intended. But he's just... He just he's not gonna be the guy from Philly ever again. Like that I feel like that's just gone. Like we saw a guy like Ben the first seven, eight games before he got hurt, like he looked like he was 75, 80% of the guy he was in Philly. But you still saw the tendency to shy away from the basket. Like as I said before, like even Trenton Watford attacks the basket much better than Ben Simmons does, and that's that's bad. You know, Ben Simmons is out here making like 38 mil this year and Trenton Watford's on a minimum. So like why is Trenton Watford um, more willing to take the ball to the hoop than the guy who's making almost $40 million? Like that kind of bothers me. Um, anything else here? The Hornets had five more fouls. The Nets had a 10-point lead at one point. I forget when that was. When the hell were the Nets up by 10? This felt like a close game the entire time. But the thing that really cost them this game aside from just, you know, not playing great defense, and this is, you know, part of it. But the Hornets shot 21 of 36 from three. So both teams took 36 three-point attempts. The Nets made 14 of them, and the Hornets made 21 of them. <laughs> so the Hornets made seven more threes, obviously 21 more points all three-pointers, quick math. So that's not good enough. You know, you shot enough threes, 36 is a fine amount, but you got to make more of them. And there were some open looks tonight that were missed. I mentioned the Dimwitty ones. I mentioned the Lonnie Walker three that was open that he probably should have made. Um, Cam Thomas may have missed a couple. So, of course, Cam Johnson, the freaking game on the line. You know what? I don't want to say this because I just I feel bad saying this. It's It feels dirty to say. By the way, that I just I see this now in the highlights. That um that Miles Bridges alley-oop was freaking nasty. I mean, not the best human, obviously, Miles Bridges, but that dunk he had was amazing. Like, that just... He, 
took it from way behind his head and he i don't know it was a really nice dunk though alley-oop oh so yeah i was, I was gonna feel dirty saying this i don't even want to say it because it feels so bad to say but cam johnson kind of gave me joe harris vibes on that shot because <laughs> last time we had a good three-point shooter you know joe harris was he led the league in three-point percentage like two or three times the guy was knocked down and we know Joe Harris came up very, very short in the series. We needed him most in the playoffs back in 2021 against the Bucks. And now Cam Johnson, who is naturally the Nets' best shooter, I don't think that's much of a debate. I know Cam Thomas is the best scorer, but I feel like in terms of just being a catch-and-shoot guy, Cam, um, Cam Johnson is our best natural shooter. So we have another guy who was in a clutch situation, game on the line, and he missed the three-pointer to possibly win the game, which I feel like Joe Harris would have done the exact same thing. Um, and you can tell right when that ball left Cam Johnson's hands that he missed it. Like, he just knew from just watching it that the ball was off. I feel like on the final play, we can sit here and diagnose that final play all we want. Um, it was pretty much like a three-on-two type fast break. You had Dinwiddie in the middle of the floor, a little bit to the right. You had, of course, Cam Johnson on the right wing, who was the outlet. And then you had Nick Claxton pretty much parallel with Dinwiddie. Now, what Dinwiddie could have done was just do a quick crossover to his left. And it probably would have been a two-on-one at the rim with, I forget who, I think it might have been Miles Bridges in the middle as the lone defender in the paint. And it would have been Dinwiddie near like, you know, attacking the right block. And it would have been Claxton coming in at the left block. So, Either Dinwiddie could have went in for the layup, or he could have just lobbed an alley-oop to Claxton. There was a chance at a layup there, okay? Like, people are mad. Like, I've seen it on Twitter. Like, people are mad at um, Jacques Vaughn for not calling timeout on that final possession leading up to the potential game-winning shot. I'm not mad at that. Like, I really... Like, the Nets had numbers. Like, they, it was a good, very good look. You have a 40% whatever he is, three-point shooter in Cam Johnson wide ass open right I mean yes it was a bit in transition he wasn't like completely set but like that's a very good look for a 40% three-point shooter like I'm taking that Cam Johnson look anytime and like the Nets basically had numbers I would have been more pissed off if um if Jock Vaughn called that timeout now if he called timeout to get like Cam Thomas in okay I can understand it but knowing uh, Jock Vaughn that was not going to happen so I really don't mind the whole like calling time out there like that or not not calling time out there like I'm fine letting that play run there was like six seconds left anyway like you had numbers you got a great look from a great shooter it just didn't fall and I'm hoping that I'm wrong about you know um Cam Johnson being like Joe Harris when it comes in the clutch but um yeah I'm, I'm not mad at Jock Vaughn for that like that's just is what it is I, I would take that shot again like I feel like if you give Cam Johnson that shot more times than not it's going to go down. So just unfortunate. I, as I said, yes, maybe Dinwiddie could have made a better decision to attack the basket. You're down by one, not down by two. We're down by, you know, three. Um, they just needed a basket there. So, you know, maybe attack the rim next time. And like to make a three to go up by two didn't really make a lot of sense. But as I said, it was a decent look. Um, if he could do it over again, maybe you, maybe you do attack the basket and throw a lob to Claxton and maybe that works. But I don't know. Can't go back in time. It is what it is. I, I Dinwiddie is obviously a veteran. He's you know been very good at passing lately. He's been throwing better alley oops, which is something he really struggled with last year in that playoff series versus the Sixers. He you know was throwing the ball out of the gym sometimes on these alley oop attempts. But you know sometimes you got to tip your cap 
and just say, hey, this guy had a great night. He was hot. And that's pretty much what Terry Rozier was, you know. I feel like if Cam Thomas was not on the minute restriction, we probably win this game. Uh, the Nets could have used that scoring at certain points. There was a point where the Nets had a pretty long scoring drought. I forget when this was now. I think it was the fourth quarter. I'm trying to see when the hell this was. They didn't score from the 11:23 mark to the 9:47 mark. This might be it. So from the 9:47 mark to the 7:52 mark, they didn't score either. Um, I mean, yeah, the Nets had some offensive droughts. It wasn't like too, too bad. You know, this is this is probably where it is. This is what I'm thinking of. All right, so Cam Johnson made the dunk out of the timeout with 7-11 to go in the fourth quarter. So from 7-11 until 4-32, the Nets did not make a shot. So, like, basically almost three minutes there, right? So that was when the offense went stagnant. Um trying to think like what happened in that scenario they missed some close shots cam thomas missed a close shot dayron got blocked by mark williams um what else happened uh mikhail bridges missed a short one as well mikhail bridges had a turnover um and then of course dfs made that one three i think that was the corner three to go back up by one so yeah it was disappointing you just hate to lose games like this um as i mentioned this could have been very big because i'm thinking like long term here with the west coast schedule coming up and to go over that west coast schedule they have sacramento phoenix denver golden state utah all on the road so five games on the road there some very good teams obviously um defending champs are there golden state doesn't look that great but I don't know what Utah's up to this year. I have no idea. I don't see many Utah games, but we know Phoenix and their situation. Um, probably no Bradley Beal still. Because I honestly, this is another take I have, which maybe I'm just being crazy here. I feel like Kevin Durant's cursed, you know? And we, we saw it here in Brooklyn. I mean, my God, the Nets were the most cursed team of all time. But, you know, Kevin Durant's been forming these big threes, and these guys can't play together. Like, Bradley Beal has not played on the... Uh, played in the regular season yet i saw devin booker stepped on a guy's foot last night it looked like he was hurt but he came back in the game uh kd i think missed the game recently so like something about him and going to these like super teams it just ain't working out so that man probably sold his soul when he went to the 73 win warriors which i don't respect at all but uh you know i was forced to root for kd there for a couple years with the nets but anyway hopefully in the next three home games here once again it's orlando on saturday not home game, sorry. So home game, home game versus Atlanta, home game versus Orlando. My God, home game versus Orlando on Saturday. Then they have at Atlanta on Wednesday, and then Friday. So what is that? Uh, eight days from now, Friday they have a home game versus Washington. Then they go on that long road trip of five games. So you have Orlando, Atlanta, Washington. You have to find a way to go two and one there. I would love to see three and zero. Oh trying to be realistic here orlando's been amazing lately i'm gonna take a look at orlando and have they even lost like i think they won like eight in a row they're 13 and five they've won one two three four five six seven. yeah eight in a row i mean they are playing washington so like you know back to back um it's actually a back-to-back for them so that's that benefits us washington are um the magic play on friday and then they play us Saturday. So it's a back-to-back for them, which is nice. Um, maybe that benefits the Nets in some type of way. So I'll take any advantage I can get against a team that's looking very good. And I would like them to beat 
Washington on Friday. I, I kind of want the Magic to come in here with the winning streak. I feel like there's more pressure as, as you keep winning these games. There's more eyes on you, more pressure. I would rather see the Magic win that game on Friday and carry that winning streak into Brooklyn, and hopefully the Nets find a way to uh, put an end to that. The Nets did beat Orlando. That's actually the last time the Magic lost was that game at Brooklyn where the Nets won by 20, which was a very weird game. I forget how the hell we won by 20. That might have been the game the Nets were shooting crazy in, but still, I mean, it's been a long time since their last loss. It was November 14th. So anyway, that's going to do it. Um, annoying loss. A crappy night. I'm out here getting dogged in fantasy football by DK Metcalf and Dak and Pollard, and, and then I got to watch the Nets lose. It was just a very crappy night here on this Thursday. So hopefully next time I talk to you guys, I'll try to talk to you guys before that West Coast trip. They have like four days off. Um, no way. I'm looking at the magic schedule. Dummy. I got to look at the net schedule. So yeah, after Washington, they play Washington in eight days on Friday. Then they don't play till Monday. So maybe over that weekend, I'll try and talk to you guys next weekend before that uh, road trip. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, just a bad loss. And hopefully they can find a way to go two and one or three and over the next three games. And I'll talk to you guys next time.